Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. And Ross, I'll go ahead and start with you. Been busy on Tuesday in and around campus and in and around the football program. Uh, biggest news that you've seen since the Duke game has been put away and the prep for Georgia Tech has started. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you walk into the in the practice and you see them, the practice squad, in their you know yellow Georgia Tech scout jerseys. You know it's Georgia Tech week. Obviously, from a defensive standpoint, that means working on cut blocks and working on that triple option and working on eye discipline and knowing your role. Things we talk about every year when the Georgia Tech game comes around. And obviously, you know, Papuchas has been with the program now for two years, so he's prepped for this defense for two seasons. And the, the team, you know, the linebackers, a lot of defensive linemen, defensive backs have prepared for this offense. So it happens every year. Fedora said even in the offseason, spring, summer, they uh, they spend days working on Georgia Tech and defending that triple option. So it's kind of that time of the year when it's Georgia Tech week, which means you have to break away from your defense, the one you run normally, and prepare for you uh, Georgia Tech's offense, which is obviously unique, as everyone knows. Obviously, another big storyline is the injuries. It sounds like a broken record, but UNC lost all their A-backs. They lost all their slot receivers. Thomas Jackson's gone. Austin Prohl is out. Daz Newsom was injured. He should be hey, good Rhodes. to go, we heard today. And then, uh, yeah, and then Rontavious Groves uh, in a heartbreaking scene. Uh, his first game back from an injury is out too. And so it's kind of starting from scratch. And it looks like a guy like Daz Newsom or Anthony Ratliff will step into that role. But it's something they have to really learn because they're going to be getting a lot more snaps at that slot position which Coach Gunter Brewer told me today is the hardest to learn in UNC's offense in terms of wide receiver. So, you know, it's just trying to f- plug in holes and, and figuring out an offense what can work and what puts the players in the best position to be successful. You know, it's scrapping a lot of the more complicated stuff and looking to just getting the ball into the playmaker's hands and putting it in, in positions to succeed. Greg, you have an article on InsideCarolina.com talking about the matchup to watch, and it's not Carolina's defense versus Georgia Tech's running game. It's the Carolina's pass offense versus Georgia Tech's secondary. And I believe the last paragraph in that note discusses Yellow Jackets' perimeter experience and skill out there. That may be the strength of their defense. Your take on how Carolina can even remotely approach that. I mean, I would think the tight ends have got to get a ton of play in this ball game for Chaz Surratt to have some success. Well, first of all, Evan Cronus, our intern, wrote that article. So props to to Evan on, on picking a good matchup. And I think he's right because we know what this offensive line looks like. We know that North Carolina is inexperienced at running back, although Jordan Brown and Michael Carter have looked good. Uh, but you know, Cam Dillard, while he played last week, he was severely limited uh, with that uh, ankle sprain. And they, they struggled against Duke. I don't know that Georgia Tech is as good defensively as, as Duke is. In fact, I'm willing to say that they're not. Uh, but Georgia Tech's probably going to try to you know, take away the run game. And so that'll put a lot of pressure on Chaz Surratt, not only making those passes into the flat, those passes on little slants, but passes down the field. Um, he's not a kid 
that has proven that he can throw a lot of deep outs. And so that kind of really shrinks the field. And that's going to be the test is, you know, can he develop some kind of chemistry with some of these young guys? We know that he's already done it with Anthony Ratliff Williams. But as Ross said, you know, when you've got some of your key A backs out, and I do expect Daz Newsom probably back this week, so that'll alleviate that some. But, you know, Roscoe Johnson was a guy that they had to slide into the A back role in practice or in the game last week, even though he hadn't played the position before. Otherwise, you're stuck with a lot of 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, like you're talking about. And the diamond package, we saw that some in the second half last week, not because they necessarily wanted to go to that package, but because they didn't have an A-back. And so you've got an X and a Y on the outside, uh, and if you don't have an A-back, you may as well put an extra running back or an extra tight end in the game. So how Larry Fedora designs this offense will be very interesting. He, he was asked on Monday, and I thought it was a good question, does this give you a little bit of um, room to be creative? And the example was given of, of what Art Browse did with Baylor back in the 2015 Russell Athletic Bowl because in that game, Baylor was you know, down, down their top wide receiver. They were down their top two quarterbacks. And so instead of just sticking with what they had done throughout the year, they really decided, you know what, we're going to run the ball against North Carolina and make them stop us. We all know North Carolina could not do it. Baylor rolls to a pretty easy victory in that bowl game. And so it does Fedora, does he get creative in that type of situation? Or does he have enough bullets left in the gun where he sticks to what he knows and then just makes some minor adjustments? I would assume it's the, the latter, but there is the opportunity for some unique twists that maybe we hadn't thought of before. Greg, I was going to mention that question that was asked in the press conference. I think it's super interesting. I mean, does UNC put out you know two tight ends? And then two running backs and two wide receivers, or I mean, maybe that's too many people, but I mean, you got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And if a guy can't be an A back and it's too complicated, and it's not effective. I mean, why not just, you know, run some jet sweeps for a guy like Daz and run some power running with, with two tight ends and, and try to get things working with the running game that way or, and just get the, you know, do things you're not traditionally used to doing. You'll keep the opposing defense you know, off guard, it allows you to be more simplistic and to see what happens when your faster, quicker guys can just get the ball easily rather than try to run some complex route and risking, you know, some trouble there. I think it's really a chance, you know, look, this team is one in three and they're staring down Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. And the only, the only two possible, two or three possible wins I see on the schedule are UVA, Pittsburgh and, and Western Carolina. And two of those are, are going to be tough games. So you've got to get, you know, there's got to be some changes in what they do because and it's going to be tough to just get that same passing game with the talent they have wide receiver now. And you got to also look at what Chaz can do with the running game as well. I think that's a huge advantage for UNC in terms of, um, you know, running him and some more of, you know, some more RPOs and some more, you know, planned quarterback rushes. And look, you got your, you got Cam Dillard back for Georgia Tech. He should be good to go. He played against Duke. And you got Billy Spain back, so you're getting some, getting a little bit healthy on the offensive line, which bodes well. And she so has a little bit more depth and health there, so that's going to be an advantage as well to to do some of the things that I just mentioned. Yeah, and this is not a totally foreign situation for North Carolina and Larry Fedora. And if you go back to 2013, they played the entire 2012 season with Bren Renner, who was really not a spread quarterback, playing that position. In 2013, 
Renner starts, and they fully expect Mitch Trubisky to be the guy uh, going into 14. Well, Renner gets hurt midway through the season. He's out for the year, and so they say, okay, well, do we pull Mitch's red shirt or do we give the ball to Marquise Williams? And so they had to make some adjustments then. We know how that season turned out. They went on a big run um, and had a very favorable schedule, which they do not have this year, and were able to get to a bowl game. I mean, then even in 2014, Marquise Williams was really the guy in the run game. Now, you, you had Ryan Switzer and Matt Collins and Buck Howard and Quinshot at that point in time, so you had a, a solid wide receiver crew, although Switzer you know, was not the wide receiver that he would ultimately become. But Marquise did what you know, Chaz did last week, and he was pretty much the only running threat they had that year because they had some issues along the offensive line. So they've dealt with some of these situations. This is a little bit unique just because of the wide receiver injuries. But Fedora and his staff have proven that they can make necessary adjustments and still be effective offensively. We'll just have to see exactly what those adjustments are. Greg, you mentioned Baylor and their adjustment. The I think the kicker in that ballgame is Baylor had an offensive line that just mashed Carolina's defensive front all game long. So let's talk about Carolina there. Ross mentioned Cam Dillard and Bentley Spain back. Uh, how healthy are they? And we had talked about Bentley Spain and maybe switching him around. Where are they planning on using him on this offensive line going forward? Yeah, I think Spain is, is probably fine at this point in time. I mean, he, he has the big club off his right hand, uh, still has a brace there, but he seemed to be fine. I, you know, It's not like a mobility issue for him. It's just kind of the comfort level with that hand and, and how he can push and, and those types of things. Dillard's a completely different animal because, and that's one of the things I found interesting about him playing every snap last week, is he had a high ankle sprain, which are, those things can be brutal, so you're thinking, okay, he's out a couple weeks. I mean, we've been told he was going to be out at least two weeks. And McCargo, I thought, played well in his place, but yet you get into the Duke game and you don't see McCargo. And you would think, well, if, if Dillard's really limited, why not go to McCargo and just give him a spell? Uh, we didn't see that. But yeah, I think hey, that's Greg, I, asked, I asked Cap that today. I said, why did you go with Dillard if he was limited? Because Fedora said he was a little limited, and Cap said he was you know, 80% didn't have that mobility. And so I flat out asked him that. And um, he just said he had a, it felt, you know, he felt more comfortable with what Dillard could do, that he would have more success against Duke. So that was kind of, you know, it's kind of a tough situation. You you go with the young guy or do you feel you have enough confidence in what, in what Dillard's done in terms of recovery? So that was kind of his answer there. Sorry that, to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that, that, that's good. That, that explains it a little bit, but it also says, look, if you're willing to go with a guy that's 80%, what does it say about the guy behind him? Yeah, and I don't know the exact number, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write something up on that later on today. So, but yeah, it was kind of an interesting thought there because McCarter was pretty good. And I think everyone saw that because you never heard his name. It's not like he missed, you know, you're not gonna cause any sacks or, or miss some huge big plays or anything. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, that that kind of prompts that question though, of kind of the trust level. And I understand it. The kid's a, a redshirt freshman, but. Kind of getting beyond that, you start looking at some of the other guys. Um, you know, Rodgers had been dinged up. Polino's been dinged up. But everybody but, I guess, Khalil Rodgers on that starting line played every snap. Polino came in and spelled him for just a little bit. So you're talking about instead of having you know, the ideal eight-man rotation that Cap likes, it even you know, before the season we were talking about maybe a 10-man rotation. 
now you're only playing really six guys in a critical ACC matchup. So definitely low on bodies. Uh, definitely a couple of those guys are still nicked up. And so you have to tread carefully, and you have to hope that luck is on your side um, after it not being for so long because uh, you know, Georgia Tech, wow, while their offensive blocking uh, spells trouble for, for the defensive linemen, uh, anytime you're in ACC play and, and Georgia Tech's a legit team, that really makes things difficult on your offensive line as well. Good points there, Greg. Let's look at Georgia Tech's offense against the North Carolina defense when we come back after these messages. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Greg, hat tip to Evan Cronus this time for his article. Staying with it, Georgia Tech leads the nation in almost 400 yards rushing per game. Nothing new there. But they do have some new faces there. Your take on how Carolina can defend that. And let me ask you this question and see if you guys agree. Ross, you as well. Carolina seems to do better against Georgia Tech the less time they have to prepare. So now they have four days. Your take on Carolina's prep for this Russian attack, Greg? Yeah, it's funny how some of that stuff works out. Um, as Ross alluded to earlier, you know, Gene Chizik's deal when he was in town was to spend a couple of days in spring ball, really focus on this this offense, and then in training camp, hit it a couple of days as well. Uh, and it varied a little bit because if they had a bye week before the game, they wouldn't spend as much time during the off season because they figured they had an extra week in season to work on it. I don't know how that exactly worked out for them, but you typically you teams have more success against Georgia tech. The more time they have to prepare. That's just kind of how the stats have bore out since Paul Johnson has been running that offense, but it's a unique style of offense. And it's not, we, we always refer to it strictly as a triple option. That is not the case. It is a very multifaceted offense uh, a heavy running offense, but the triple option is not all they do. And uh, it, it really is kind of a discipline type thing. And I, I really think that the way North Carolina has been aggressive the last two weeks, I think that's the way to play it. It always helps if you have explosive defensive tackles. North Carolina would love to have Jalen Dalton back for this game. I don't know that he'll be back, but you'd love to have him back because he's the kind of guy that can get into the backfield and blow up some of these dive plays, which is the heart and soul of this offense. But besides the, the defensive tackles, if you could put some pressure on the edges and take away some of those options, uh, you can have some success. And at that point in time, it just becomes a matter of, okay, can you prevent the big play down the field when you're focusing so much on stopping the run because Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech likes to hit you on those, those deep passes? And I think if you're aggressive and you're willing to blitz and really sell out to stop the run, uh, that's, that's the way you have to be. And if Papuchas holds true to how he's been the last two weeks, that gives me a little bit of hope for, for North Carolina being competitive in this game. Uh, but we'll have to see. It, it is a tough, tough style of offense to prepare for just because you don't see it every week. You know, and I know people don't like the, the cut blocks 
Uh, North Carolina runs plenty of plays that have cut blocks involved, but uh, you kind of overlook them as a Carolina fan. But you see it all the time with, with some of the Georgia Tech cut blocks. But you have to be careful. You have to protect your knees. You have to keep your hands up in front of you and really kind of push down on linemen as they dive at you. So there's a lot of unique drills that North Carolina will do this week. But it, but it really does. It starts up front. It starts with being aggressive, not allowing yourself to get outnumbered, and being able to be disruptive and, and put Georgia Tech behind the chains. Now, Greg, if you blitz, you know, you blitz defensive ends or, or bring an extra linebacker and try to, you know, get into the backfield there, it, doesn't that kind of put you behind the play almost in some circumstances if you overcommit to, to trying to sack the quarterback? Or, or how, how does UNC go about kind of blitzing but still being weary of that, that run play, that spread, or sorry, that, um, that option play kind of moving, you know, to the sideline as they do? Right. Well, you have to be, you have to have gap integrity. And so what that means is, if you're going to blitz, you can't, you, you can't blitz uh, in, a, in a different hole, right? You've got to have every hole accounted for because if not, like with the dive play, they like to go straight up the middle, but on those triple options, they also have the keep and they have the pitch. So if you want to take away the pitch and you blitz off the, the left side, well, the dive play may be there all of a sudden because somebody's not manning that gap. So what you have to do is be creative. But you also have to – sometimes you, you, you blitz in the gap that you're aimed for, but you also can double up. And you can send two guys through the same gap without sacrificing some of the other gaps by having those covered. So you do have to be creative with it. And you have to be careful with it. You can't just send guys you know, on their own freelancing, which is kind of how Butch Davis liked to run things with his defensive lineman. You have to, do, you have to be responsible in your gap integrity and if you can do that, you can overpower them at certain points. Because what Georgia Tech likes to do, uh, and they did it a lot against Pitt, and you, you, would, you would think that the way Pitt is built, they're supposed to be a very good run defense team. They struggled. But Georgia Tech will show you a balanced front. Which yep. They'll have, they, you know, it's, it's symmetrical. So on one side, you may have a tight end offset. On the right side, you would have the tight end in the exact same spot where you'd have two running backs, one to each side. And the reason they do that is to really test your, your lineup for your defense. And if you have one guy playing a little bit too far on the right side of the field, well, guess what? They're going the other way. Um, and so they look for those types of things. So you have to be very careful in how you're designed. Uh, but as long as you have some of those things covered, you can get creative with how you blitz, and you can pick up some of those tackles for losses. It may not be a situation where you want to blitz every down, but the key with Georgia Tech is you have to get them behind the chains because if they have a third and three, guess what? If you, you stop them, they're going to go for it on fourth and three. That's what they do. So you have to really make sure they have some third long situations to get off the field. And, Ross, one of the most fascinating, thing, fascinating things to watch Georgia Tech is what Greg just talked about. They come to the line and they count the box and then they go the opposite way and they do it every time. And – how good they are depends on how good that quarterback is. Yeah. Mar Marshall's a young fella, but he's had some success this year. What you can't do, Ross, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is you can't peak in the backfield if you're a defensive back. Because, Greg, you remember, what was it, two or three, four years ago, first play of the game, caught Trey Boston peaking. They threw over the top for 75-yard touchdown pass. Ross, your take on that aspect of it. I mean, it's not just a defensive line thing against Georgia Tech. The, the defensive backfield better be on their toes or they can get burnt 
often. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Now, Tyquan Marshall is a junior. I guess this is his first year starting. But, I mean, I watched that Tennessee game at the end of the season. You know, he looked great in terms of just being a tough runner and also being able to throw the ball. He's only completed 14 out of 23 passes for 280 yards. But he's, I mean, that's 60.9% of his passes. You know, pretty good quarterback rating there, 12.17 yards per attempt. And he leads George Second rushing as well for eight touchdowns, uh, 386 yards. So the guy's getting it done. And, I mean, I've covered this team now three, four years, and it's always about eye discipline. It's about knowing who you have. Do you have the pitch, the dive, the QB, and and being honest with what you're doing and trusting your teammates to be where they're supposed to be as everybody does their job. I mean, it's the same stuff every time. We're going to talk to Papuchas on Wednesday, and he'll tell us the same thing eye discipline, focus, and just doing your job. You know, this is kind of where having Andre Smith would really help. You know, he's gone against his defense two times now, and middle linebacker role is, is clearly very important. You have a guy like Jonathan Smith who played, you know, probably half the snaps or maybe a little less against Duke. You know, he's going to have to play this def- this offense for the first time. So that's, I mean, that's critical. I mean, the linebackers are really the ones who, who are able to make the plays. The defensive line is critical, but it's the linebackers that if they mess up, it can go for you know, a, a big, you know, 10, 15 yard gain. And it seems like with this offense, with what, with what George Tech does, it's always, you know, five yards here, three yards here, seven yards here, and they'll bust one out for 15, 20 yards. And it seems like they always get three or four yards. That's why it's so tough. I mean, look, look, UNC is hurt with injuries. They're obviously a lot, very tired and fatigued in the fourth quarter going against offense like this in Georgia Tech that is very hard to get off the field. I mean, they, they put together six, you know, eight, 10-minute drives where you just cannot stop them, and that's normal for them. Uh, so that's going to be very tough for UNC to have success in the second half with just the limited options they have at, 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 at linebacker and just overall the sense of the fact they've been tired and fatigued throughout the season, it seems, from what we've seen the last uh, four games. Yeah, and Tommy – Ross is on a key point there with Andre Smith. I already mentioned Jalen Dalton, maybe not going. We don't think Tyler Powell's going to go. So Powell, of course, even when he's playing defensive end, he's got the build of a defensive tackle. He can play inside. So he gives you a very good rush in aspect. So if you're down Smith, you're down Dalton, and you're down Powell, those are three key figures against the Georgia Tech offense that would really be beneficial to have. And you may not have all three of them. That's a problem. The other aspect, too, is we were talking about how Georgia Tech likes to come out in that, that balanced, symmetrical set. Well, when you're Andre Smith, you can sit back there and you get the call from the sideline, which is not a big deal. But then you have to kind of decide what exactly is going to take place. And you are responsible for making the adjustments. Well, Smith is not there. So it's going to be Jonathan Smith. And I'm curious to see how this plays out because against Duke, in the nickel package, Cole Holcomb was the guy calling the plays. So they added some play calling to his resume. I would assume that they'll just stick in a base 4-3 against Georgia Tech. That would make most sense. But in that situation, is it still strictly on Jonathan Smith? Does Holcomb help him? Does Holcomb take over? We're not going to get answers on that until the game on Saturday. But that'll be an interesting dynamic because What Georgia Tech shows and how you adjust to it is very critical. 
And that's a lot of pressure to put on a young guy like Jonathan Smith. A uh, guy like Casey Collins, Ross, he's made some huge plays against Georgia Tech the last couple of years, really. Made, a, if my memory serves, probably a, the game changer down in Atlanta two years ago. Is this a game that Collins really lives up to maybe the hype that he's had for the last two or three years? I mean, he seems to play well against Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I think this hype has been built up from that. I think he forced a fumble and made some big stops against Tech in that game you're referring to when he was a freshman or sophomore. You know, I've always thought that he has that speed at linebacker, sideline to sideline that you need just at that outside linebacker position, you know, a little bit faster than uh, Aiden Vanilla or some of the other guys have been playing. So, yeah, I mean, I think you'll see a lot of him and and Cole Holcomb and, and Jonathan Smith. I mean, I think you're going to make fun of me for this, but Dominique Ross has that speed too. He has that, he's that long player. We haven't seen much of him. Um, he's a guy who made some plays last year, but we haven't seen much of Dom Ross this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just a hard – it's a hard offense to stop, and UNC is going to try their darndest, but you know that Georgia Tech is going to run on them, and it's it's. I don't know if UNC can outscore them, so it really puts the Tar Heels in a, a tight position heading down to Atlanta this weekend because usually, if we've seen in the past, you know, UNC blew them out last last year in Keenan. The 2015 game was kind of a, a that big turnaround, changing of the season game where they they did outscore Georgia Tech and really came back. I guess is the is the better word. Down 21, I believe, at half or something like that. So, you know, it helps when you have a strong offense that forces Georgia Tech to uh, to make some bigger plays and pass it more and kind of get out of what they normally do. But it's going to be hard to, you know, it, it's going to help you and see if they can be up early. Obviously, that's always the plan. And they, they want to do as much as they can and control that that game clock and, and keep the ball out of Georgia Tech and Paul Johnson's hands. Good stuff, guys. We'll talk a lot more as the week progresses. You've got defensive availability, I think, on Wednesday. Be interesting to hear their take. Uh, Carolina and Georgia Tech down in Atlanta on at noon on Saturday. Hey, Inside Carolina Tailgate show starts at 10 a.m. I hope y'all boys are ready for that as well. That'll wrap this show, though. Guys, appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.